you're standing, we'll hear the word this morning from the letter that Paul wrote to the Hebrews. I know some people don't think Paul wrote it, but that's okay. Let's hear it anyway. From chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. That story that is alluded to comes from the book of Genesis, written a long, long time ago, written about the man Abram. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring the piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. He was standing by them under the tree as they ate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Brandon, for leading our music this morning in such a fine way. And the rest of the band is this week's band, I should say, right? Are there any of you out there that can't play or sing? Like me, you're still welcome. What a great job they did this morning. David had the day off, so we'll dock his pay. You have something in your seat, a little card. And you say, well, I don't have one. You might want to stand up and look. You have one. If you've already knocked it on the floor, you might want to bend over and pick it up. This is yours, yours to keep, not yours to lose, not yours to give away, not yours to forget about, but yours to keep. Have I made that clear this is y'all's? I just want to be sure we're clear. All right, we're, we're good. Welcome the strangers, or one text translates it by saying entertain strangers. We translate that to mean hospitality. How we treat a person is what hospitality is all about. What is it like in the biblical day and age to receive a stranger at your house? Well, it's not exactly like today. You couldn't go down to the corner and pay for a nice room at the Motel 6. There were a few inns, and there were a few inns scattered around the ancient world, the time that we're reading about. But in these ancient practices and in the world in which they live, Inns were very expensive, and most people could not afford them. And despite being very expensive, they were also tended to have poor reputations. 
You can figure that out. You can explain it to your children when you go home. They not only had poor reputations, many of them, if not most of them, were not clean. And so when you went there, it wasn't a very joyful experience. It wasn't like going to the Motel 6 in our day, much less the Holiday Inn, much less, okay, you got the idea. And because of that, in the ancient days, people had a custom that was like a sacred duty, not just in the Old Testament people of Israel, not just by the early Christians, but across the land in the ancient days, they had a habit of hosting people in their, ha- in their homes when they were traveling and on the road because there was not anywhere for them to sleep or to eat or to be cared for. So people on the whole would usually invite them in. This was especially true of the Old Testament people. It was considered a sacred duty for them and also for early Christians. You can imagine what it was like to be an early Christian. You might be the only one in several villages as you travel around. And so you depended upon the generosity of others to invite you into their home. I know we find that a little strange. We don't just open our home to anybody that comes by and invite them to come in and spend the night. If we did, we'd probably sleep very restlessly if we slept at all or we might sleep in shifts. But they were not so concerned about that as much as we are in our day. They were more concerned about reaching out to them and being a great host, being hospitable to them because it was a part of their belief. Now in this Genesis passage, listen closely to a few of those phrases that I read. He ran from the door to meet them. (laughs) He didn't walk. He ran. When he saw them coming, he got out of whatever he was doing and he ran to the door to greet them. And when he got there, he bowed himself expressing his humility to them in their presence. And then he invited them to stay with him a while and let him get water to wash their feet so they could rest under the shade of the tree so they might be refreshed, so that they might be prepared for the journey. And when they agreed to do so, he left and he ran off to make preparations for their reception. And then whenever he was gone, he had them also take a young calf Prepare it also for the meal and shared that with them. And while they ate, he sat, I guess, and visited with them, provided them company. Such was his hospitality to them. Today, I want to talk to you about biblical hospitality and why it's important to the world today and why it's most important within the laws of the church. We began the reading of the scripture in Hebrews with the first verse, beloved, be Be loving to one another, basically. Love one another. Love the brethren. That would be love those of us who are here in there. And you know, we work hard at loving one another, don't we? If a family has a struggle, we pray for them. If someone is traveling, we we keep up with them. I talked to last night, just to Nathan, about what was going on. I talked to him about the meeting coming up Tuesday night and assured him he needed to be there. However long he did, we would be fine. We'd go on. I found out about Mary and how the family was doing. He got a report. Talked to Wendy just recently about Russ. We keep up with one another because of our love for one another, and we're good about that. But now we're a fairly large group. We're about 400 people, most worship services. And it's hard to know who you need to take care of, right? We can't all know each other intimately, and yet it's important that we practice our love one for the other. It's really odd to be at this church as strong as it is and be the new pastor. 
You know, it's, it's, it's odd because when I go into a church, I don't know you. I didn't know your children. I didn't know your youth. I didn't know you unless you were on the SPRC committee that I met before you. I got to meet the people in the first year and a half or so uh, quickly, those who were serving in committees because I was with them all the time. But you know what? They start looking alike too. Don't tell them I said that, okay? So it's hard to get all the names and all the faces right. Do you know we have two Jim Clarks? You know, you know how frustrating that is if you're Doug Miller trying to figure out which gym is which? One of y'all should consider changing your name. I don't know. <laughs> Except that's not very hospitable for them to change their name. It's more important that I get to know which gym is which and which one wife goes with which man. <laughs> that's important too. It's important to know them. And we're comfortable with knowing each other. We work at that to some degree. We especially get comfortable with knowing our Sunday school classes or the people we're sharing committees with or the people that we hang around with when we have donuts and coffee in the back room in the back of Fellowship Hall. We're comfortable with those people. And yet, how comfortable are we with everyone? Every now and then, I get the distinct pleasure of asking the congregation about someone, and I call their name. And they go, who's that? Sounds like they're from Louisiana. Who that? And I smile and say, you don't know them? No, and I feel so good that I know somebody they don't all know. And they don't all know the history of that person. That doesn't happen very often. But occasionally it does happen. And it reminded me of something along the way that, first of all, if we're going to love the brethren, we have to know each other. That means you need to know not just the people who sit around you, But do you even know them? Let's form an experiment. Let's do that. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be fun? See, you said that'd be fun. You know why you said that? Because they know each other by name. (laughs) They want me to go over there and say, do you know all these Houston? They say, yes. But what if I ask you to stand up? Would you stand up? Would that really make you feel conspicuous? Yes, you. Yeah, you're the one. I'm looking right at you. Just stand right up there. (laughs) Thank you. Yep, you're, you're doing that fine. You can stand up with her too. Now, youth, do you know who these people are? Not yet. That is the right answer, but also the wrong answer. You know why you don't know who they are? Because when you came in, you were so busy visiting with each other, which is a good thing, that you forgot to look around and see if someone was new. Y'all can sit down now. Thank you for being my illustration. I know you're a guest. Um, I know that. But... You all, know, you all know Deb, so I figure why. Why not, right? And I knew they wouldn't know you. Now, if you had noticed that they were new during the greeting time, you could have done something really strange. Instead of going in the same pattern that you usually go to meet the people that you already know, you could have walked right over there to them and said, Hi, I don't believe I know you. My name is... And then they could have told you who they are. And you could have listened intently for their name. And then after you visited with them a moment, you could have said, let me introduce you to someone else. And you could have walked across the aisle, someone who was really closer, but might not have shaken their hand, and you could introduce them to them. And then your job would have been done for that moment in being hospitable to guests. No visitors. We don't have any visitors in the church of God. None. I don't even want to hear the word. If you're like me and you've used visitors all your life, Go to your personal dictionary, dial it up, go in there and delete it. Delete from your computer the word visitor. We don't want visitors in church. We only want to receive guests. You know the difference between a guest and a visitor, right? You got that, right? 
a visitor. I wish the band were still up here. If the band were still up here, I would go over and say, Hi, how are you doing? Hi, Brandon, how are you doing today? What's up, man? Did you do anything yesterday? Yeah, he's going to tell me all he did. And this person sitting here, one of the young women that was standing here, I know their faces, but I don't know their name. But you see how I greet them? Hi, how are you? That's what churches call the church greeting. That's what many churches call being hospitable. Hi, my name is Doug. Glad you're here. Oh, long lost friend, brother of mine, sister of mine. You see what happens? One is treated like a visitor. Another is treated like a long lost loved one. Get rid of the word visitor. We're trying to remove it from every piece of written literature we ever put out. I want to banish it from your thought. Because you know the difference in hospitality and being a visitor? Yesterday we went to a birthday party. You know, birthday parties at Peter Piper's are quite the event. <laughs> I should call them and charge them for this, this advertisement for them. Because we were going there to celebrate my grandson's birthday. He's a man now, five years old. <laughs> and when we got there, we noticed right off the bat that there was a table, long table set up down the far end of the room. Had Miller's name on it with a big bunch of balloons flying high in the air. There were napkins out on the table. It all looked really, really nice. But I noticed something else. On the way to find Miller's name, I noticed there were balloons here and balloons there. There were a lot of people coming to Peter Piper to celebrate birthdays yesterday. Then I got to watching what happened when people arrived in different families in different places. People would come in and even something as intimate as a birthday party, there were people there that didn't know each other. Now, when we have Miller's birthday party, we've got Frisco friends. We've got Frisco members from his class at school, which I don't know some of those and their parents. They were there. So I had new people I got to introduce myself to, and I became Miller's papa, you know. Or I became Sally's husband. Or I became Sarah's dad. Oh, well, you got the picture, right? This was going on all over the building. People went out of their way to make sure at a birthday party, everybody knew everybody and everybody was comfortable. Just like Sunday morning across America. All right? Wrong. Over and over again, I hear people tell me that they go and visit churches and nobody speaks to them. And you say, well, they didn't go past the greeter's table. There are 400 greeting tables here this morning, and you carry one around with you as you wander about the building. So what I want you to do is to practice a culture of hospitality, not just being freely and saying, hi, my name is so-and-so, welcome, and walking off and leaving them, but rather I want you to connect with them. I want you to go out of your way to meet them. I want you to run to them, not all at once, don't frighten them off, (laughs) but go to them and go to somebody you don't know. We're going to get to that, but let's go back to this story. Water for your feet, hurried to meet them, stay with them as they ate. At my house, when someone came to my house, the home of Clay and Jean Miller, they were treated like family, period. They sat at the table with us. Whatever food had been prepared, if they came unknowingly, we divided. Everybody got what was left, and nobody complained about having less if somebody extra came. The reason we always have donuts left over is we want every child who needs a donut to have one. That's one of my personal goals on earth. (laughs) Even if I'm not supposed to be eating them, everybody else ought to have one if they need one. But really what they ought to have is what's supposed to happen in the room. 
Coffee, welcome. Fellowship, hi, my name is, I don't believe I know you. What's your name? You see, you didn't say, are you a member here? We don't want to do that, right? Because you'd be embarrassed if they'd been here 40 years and you've been here six. But let me just say the embarrassment is more the other way around. If you've been here 40 years and you don't know the one who's been here six years, you're to blame for that, not them. I think I'm getting close to preaching right there. Are you listening? Can you feel me? As we'll say, let's say, you got me? Could you feel the man on the screen who was waiting in prison, wanting some different food? When they brought him food, when they brought him refreshment, although he wasn't intended to, he had to hear the words about the people who was feeding him cookies and food he didn't get at all in prison. This murderer, both in the prison and out, this man who was, in his own words, a monster, felt welcomed and loved for the first time he could remember in his life. And in that environment, he was able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of trouble to go inside a prison to work. You've got to fill out forms. You've got to show up. You've got to not do some things and do some things they, see, they say you can do exactly the way they say you can do them. But when you do those things and you do it in the name of the Lord, and when you go inside those prisons and you tell people you love them, lives are changed always. But it's so much easier to send them a note. We could, you know, you could write one day every prison and say, hey, I love you. Jesus loves you too. Hope you get out. But the scriptures say go and visit those in prison, doesn't it? Just like the young pastor, youth guy, funny man Nick, my straight man, who says that's just what the Bible tells you to do. It's so simple. It breaks my heart to go and hear people say to our disgrace, I went to such and such a church, and, you know, nobody even spoke to me. They didn't even know I was there. They could have been sitting next to you possibly because perhaps you're the kind of person who's a little shy, a little timid, and you just don't want to speak to everybody you meet. You don't know if they're a visitor or not. You don't want to offend them, so you just don't say anything. All you have to say is, I don't think I remember your name. That's all you have to say. And then they'll tell you their name. First and last or just first, and then you have the chance to reciprocate and tell them your name. And then you, having met them, can just start talking to them about life. You know, something we all do, we're all breathing and we're living. We're all male or female. We're all one color or another, one race or another. We all came from one state or another. We all were born on a certain month. We all have parents we know or don't know. We all have children we have or don't have or used to have. We all have reasons why we come to church. There are so many things to talk about. All you have to do is pick one and talk to them a little bit. Connect with them a little bit. And then just like that little card tells you, link them up. Take them to somebody else. If you're retired and they're young and have a baby, for goodness sake, take them and show them the nursery. Take five minutes of your precious day and love somebody where they need to be loved. That's all I'm asking you to do. That's all I'm badgering you to do. And by the way, this is not a one Sunday sermon. We're going to be talking about this to the point where you think, is he going to say that again? The answer to that is yes, I am. I'm going to say it and say it and say it. And we're going to practice it and do it. The staff are going to do it and you're going to do it. Because when I went, go by you and I see you not doing it, oh my goodness, can you imagine the illustration you're going to be the next week in the sermon? <laughs> I know it's going to hurt attendance. 
Now, some people are going to think, oh, no, I didn't say the hi to that person. Doug probably saw me. I'm not coming this week. I've got a long memory about such things. So when I write your name down, you are headed for the illustration. No one is immune because everyone needs to be hospitable. Every one. If we're going to have a culture so that when a person walks in the building, walks in the building, they are overcome by the feeling of love amongst the people who are there. Not just members, but for guests and members. I'm tempted to ask the couple who came today for the child's baptism how they were greeted, how they were handled, how many people said hello to them. But I won't do that once is enough. I don't want to run them off, and they're here visiting anyway, so... They're headed back to the Episcopalian church, right? That's what you told me. Thank you. You had a great experience. Uh, she's testifying right now. A dozen people said hi. That's great. That's great. Give yourselves a hand. Not long ago, some friends of Sally and mine attended church for three Sundays in a row, and nobody spoke to them. Now, granted, they probably got here a little late. They probably left pretty quickly. And here's the reason you need to be on guard. Five minutes before worship starts is God's time. Five minutes after worship is over, it's God's time. Use the five minutes before each service and the five minutes at the end of each service to talk to somebody you don't know. Can be a member. There are a lot of them in here you don't know, right? Do I need to make an illustration out of that? I can pick on one of you. No, I see some say, no, don't do it to me. Because some of you have been here 30 years together and you still don't know each other because you have the audacity to sit on the other side of the congregation. And your Sunday school class is on a different floor so your paths never cross unless it's on a committee. you got to work at knowing each other. As long as y'all have been together, you should know each other by name. I know some of you know each other very well. You tell me stories about each other. That's always interesting. You can work on that this week. Don't be too frightened by it because I only... Pay attention to the really juicy parts. <laughs> Try and remember so that I might remember you. Because we all, without being self-conscious, are just like the man in the video. We all need a taste of amazing grace. I remember being offended once I came home. I was an adult, young adult, not too bright adult. And I came home, and there was my daddy out in the backyard hanging out with a 12-year-old. And we went in to eat, and yeah, the 12-year-old came too. You know, he put his feet on the table where I used to sit. And, you know, he had his food, and he just hung out. And I thought, I came here really to visit Daddy and Mama, but this kid is in my way. I'm here to see them. This is about family. Thank God to my daddy, everybody was family who wandered onto that 20 acres. Now, when you get here 10 minutes early, you get to visit with your friends. For five minutes, and five minutes with the people you don't know, because it's important to keep up with each other. I'm not saying don't do that. Now, if you're one of those who said, "Yeah, but I never get here early," you can be saved. <laughs> you can be saved from your little old self. You can get yourself out of that bed once a week at least, and come here a little earlier, stay a little later. If I see you doing that, all of you, I better get my watch open because I don't know what time it is. Right? I know y'all. If I quit preaching a little earlier, you'd do more visiting, right? <laughs> Plan to stay a little later. Plan to stay a little later. Because you see, we have seats that aren't full yet, and this is just worship service number one. I don't get 
completely tired after preaching once. I need to preach twice. So therefore, we need a second worship service. It's about as full as this one. We've got to get this one jam-packed full for about three or four months before we start the second one. And you know what's going to happen if you really decide to treat everybody like your family? These seats are going to fill up fast. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, I know several people that really should do that. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to all of you. Every one of you. I don't care how bashful you are. If the topic is right, you would talk to a stick. I, I know I've seen many. Well, I don't ever say anything in church. I'm just not that type. I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable around people. I see them at a ball game and they're the center of attention. What's that about? I'm not fooled by that old line. Come on, I'm the oldest. Well, not all of you, but some of you. I've been told a lot of stuff and it just doesn't matter. You need to love people. You need to love people. And they need to know that you love them. You think those prisoners don't know it? Went into their sea of differentness and walk these mostly white people to come in and do ministry among them? And you know what they're thinking when they get there. I want your cookies. Because they eat how many thousand is it a typical three-day walk, Chad? 500 dozen cookies. About 60 men are able to eat in three days. They are hungry for a cookie. Anything they don't get. And when they get a taste of the sweetness of the cookie and they've eaten their fill, then the sweetness of the whisper of Jesus who still loves them can be heard. When people walk in here and they're visiting, they're anxious a little bit. Some of them are even fearful. They come with needs. Maybe they're hurting because of something going on in their home. Perhaps they're just overburdened by being lonesome. Perhaps they're living in a different part of the country and they have no family in this part of the world. And they're wondering if anybody will see them and love them like they used to be loved at home. They come in here and they're kind of curious to see if this church will be different than the last three they visited where they remained anonymous or if this church will really care. Some of them are coming unwillingly. Somebody drug them here. Or somebody made a wager with them and they lost and they had to go to church. Or maybe they're unhappy at their particular church and looking if there's a place they need to go for a fresh word. There's all kinds of reasons people come to church. But every one of them has something in common. They come in, they're a little bit uncomfortable because they are a newcomer. We're the only ones who can make them comfortable. Now, I know that some of you are saying, yeah, if you get too carried away, you go make them uncomfortable by, by what you say to them. Not nearly as uncomfortable as you'll make them by saying nothing at all. Yes, you'll run into some people who'll be shy. They'll just say your first name. They'll speak very quietly. I'm not asking you to embarrass them. I'm asking you to give yourself to them humbly and bow in their presence. I'm asking you to pay attention to what they need like it was your grandchild or your child or your brother or your sister or your parents who are walking into a strange church. I'm not asking you to do anything weird. I'm asking you to just be normal. That's all I'm asking. And I'm going to keep asking it. Because even though we get this family received a dozen invitations, if you sit in the wrong place, 
you can go unnoticed. If you don't have family here, you already know you can go unnoticed. You should now be kind of looking around where you're sitting because you know what? I find most of you in the same place every week or the same area, all except my wife. And she's starting to settle down. For a while, I can never find her. But she kind of moves around. She was trying to get to know you. Yesterday, before we went to the birthday party, and I'm through now, just in case you're wondering where we are. Okay, I'm going to close with that story. I'm going to tell you one thing first. The card. You got it? Jim Clark's got one. Deb's got one. There's some more people. You got it? Look at it. 5-10-connect. Five refers to time. Five minutes before worship, five minutes afterward is devoted to people you don't know. Start practicing it today. Ten refers to space. When somebody comes within ten feet of you that you don't know, stop who you're talking to, walk over there, introduce yourself to them, find out their name, and invite them back to your group. Cross the room. Leave your group. Pick up somebody else and take them back to your group so that they become linked to someone else. Find the commonality. For instance, here's an easy one. Where did you go to college? Or did, did you go to college? Yeah, where'd you go? Well, I went to Texas A&M. Hear that? All those people, you might as well go ahead and introduce them to you because if you have one Aggie, they'll, they just go, they're just like ants at a picnic. <laughs> they all swarm to the same bit of food, you know. So you know an Aggie if you're in this congregation. You can't do it. They're everywhere spread out over this church. It's intentional because every Aggie, I can't believe I'm saying this, every Aggie looks after every other Aggie. In fact, sometimes they're better at looking after Aggies than they are other Christians. Don't need any whoops on that one. But it's not just them that suffer from that disease. It's the rest of us too, right? Five minutes before, Five minutes after, go, go as much as 10 foot away or across the room to meet somebody you don't know. Now, all of you know I don't know your name. If you come rushing toward me, that will be an X. Nope, not this morning. I'll learn your name next week. Go to everybody else, somebody you don't know, and then link them up with something they have in common. Can you do that? That's not even close to all of you. Some of you are already thinking you're not going to do this. Some of you are already thinking I'm not going to mention this next week. You know how cheap it is to make these cards? <laughs> it's cheap. We make them right here. It's a lot of trouble for Gary to clean them up, and he'll fuss because they're small, and people will drop them. I saw two or three of them on the floor earlier, but somebody picked them up. That's a good thing. You know, you could take another one just in case there's somebody not sitting next to you. You could hand one to somebody else that has a church's address on it, and you could invite them here. I wonder if you're going to do it. What do you think? I would ask Nathan what he thinks. He's been chairman of our church council, but he's not here. Chief, what do you think? You think they're going to do it? You think every one of them will do it? Chief. You're in the house of the Lord. Let me give you another chance. Do you think most of them are going to think about it? No, it's got to be stronger than that. You knew they were all going to do it. They, come on. Yes, all right. I think most of them will think about it. Do you think some of them, some of them may decide, well, that's not for me. 
Deb, do you think that's true for some of them? You do, huh? I'm tempted to have you all stand up. Because I'm tempted to preach longer. That is a threat. Don't do it. Because if you're a real shy person, there are other people visiting here who are real shy too. One shy person seeks out another shy person, and you have people who can make a connection. How important is it? Just our future? Just expressing our faith in Jesus Christ and our love for others? It's the lifeblood of a church that's growing. And without it, churches die. And without it, churches don't grow. Period. Before we ever got to the birthday party, my wife began to tell me about somebody she knew. Somebody she'd been talking to for a couple of years now about coming to church. She told me when I got there she wanted me to meet this person and her husband if he came, but she didn't know if he'd come. She said this person had an incredible story to tell. But she said, I'm not going to tell you the story, but she can do that later if she wants to. And when we got there, this woman that Sally gives her money to regularly because she fixes her hair. We're sitting over there at a table like they were the best friends. Best friends. I thought Sally should have given her a little more room, but she was just right up in her face. You know, she's just like this, just sitting there talking to her. Just over and over. And Sally can talk for a long time, trust me. <laughs> and they just talk, 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 talk. I'm almost too close now, and I can tell you you're just almost drawing back. But that's the way they were. Talk, 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 talk. Smile, smile, smile. Meet this person. Maybe they'll get it that not every preacher's weird. They already knew I married a not weird woman because Sally's been uh, getting her hair cut a long time. Not in silence. Waiting to make a connection. You're looking at me. You're wondering if I'm about to quit. I am. And I'm wondering if you're about to start. That's what I'm wondering. Because you can practice the same thing where you work, in your neighborhood, at the school where your children attend, and everywhere you go in this area, you can cross the room and meet lots of people you don't know. Make a connection. Who knows? If they connect to you, they might take the risk of attending a church again. And God would be glorified.